Welcome back. This is episode three, Revive One Podcast. I have an incredible co-host with me today, Miss Sean Bethay. We don't have some fun with this. This episode is called Stay True. I got some questions for you, but we don't let this play any hour Sometimes I shave my legs and sometimes I don't Sometimes I comb my hair and sometimes I won't Depending on how the wind blows, I might even pay my toes It really just depends on whatever feels good in my soul Someone to have as an intro here because you know the episode is called Stay True, and that's one of Revive One's mottos is stay engaged, stay true. So, how do you stay true to yourself if you can't live your life how you want to live while you're engaged in the community and making change? So, like I said, welcome to Revive One Podcast. I have with me today here on the set is Miss Sean Bethay. She is a healthcare advocate, a influential social media extravaganza. No, no, no. Okay, she don't want me to gas her up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me give her some horns right quick. <laughs> but no, I want to appreciate I appreciate you for being on the on the show with me today. Um let's first just talk about what do you do? Tell the people what do you do on a day-to-day basis outside of your normal world because we know everybody has their normal jobs. That's fine and Danny, but there's always something else that pushes you towards happiness and what gives you that thrive. So just talk to people and tell us, what do you what do? you do? Well, thank you for inviting me. No problem, no problem. <laughs> so um, You kind of had no other choice, though. I know. You never, never, ever. Um, so I'm a health advocate. I advocate for people living with chronic conditions. I always say that I kind of speak for those who don't have a voice. Um, I was diagnosed with my chronic condition when I was 17 years old. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I've raised my voice with that and then uh, recently kind of dabbled, kind of stuck my foot into the activist waters and... Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and that's been an experience in itself. So um, my day just looks pretty busy planning out content, trying to, just trying to reach people, um, whether it's a post about Crohn's disease and autoimmune disease or trying to... Um, get people engaging with their health care, getting people to kind of take ownership of, over their own health care or partnering with healthcare and pharma companies. Mm-hmm. Um, just creative ways to get people talking. Okay, that's cool. So, you know, stay true. When I thought of the phrase stay true, to me it was life is whatever you make it. You're able to do a lot through your capabilities and your growth in life um, in advocating but if you don't have that advocacy represent who you are and look like you, it's not going to reach other people. So how are you able, and we'll talk about this for a second. I know for me personally, well, let me ask the question first. How are you able to stay true to who you are while you are engaging with others and helping advocate for others and for yourself? Um, and we'll go from there. So do you want me to take it first and tell how I am? Or I'll definitely open it up for you. I mean, I don't, 
I don't, I think that at first, when I first started advocating, that was the issue, was that I was not true to myself at all. I kind of said things that I felt like would resonate with other people, even if they didn't fully resonate with myself. I right. was trying to be relatable, so much so that I ended up not even being relatable to myself. I wow. felt like I wasn't telling my full story. Okay. Um, especially as a black woman, I was just kind of like leaving out experiences or I felt like, oh, maybe that would be too controversial. Maybe people wouldn't respond to that. So I would leave out experiences, racism, discrimination, things that I faced. So um, it just takes time, time and being comfortable in yourself and your voice. Um, right. And I, I just try to... Um, I was watching this interview with Issa Rae the other day. Ooh, um, okay. She did an interview with Crown Magazine because she was on the cover, and she was saying that she never tries to be relatable. Right. But inevitably, there were certain experiences the black women related to because we're black women and we have these experiences. They're kind of universal. Right. And I feel like that that is how I stay true to myself. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. The fact that I'm just expressing my truth and what's happening what's happened to me and what's happening to me now mm -hmm. um whether it's with Crohn's disease or my activism and not everyone can relate but I think that that's what they like about me the fact that like I'm speaking truth whether it's your truth or not it's mine <laughs> truth is truth at the end day exactly um, I think we always go by the song the saying the truth will set you free yeah um whether that's true or not that's still to be determined life is still taking us on but I think for me um uh, I'm able to stay true to who I am because it's coming out of a sense of passion, um, a sense of love, a sense of I want to see the change. And so that's why Revive One is here, because ultimately, this is me. Revive One is me. I'm engaged with people. I'm engaged through advocacy, legislation. But now I have to be truthful to you. I got to let you know what it is and what it isn't. I got to be real with you. I got to let you know, hey, this piece of legislation is some crap. It's optic. It's not substance. And I think when I'm able to do that, I'm able to make a huge impact in our world. Um, so let's talk for a second, if you don't mind. I know it's maybe a little personal, but you shared about chronic illness, and we are in the middle of a pandemic. And, of course, we're keeping our distance here. We're six feet apart. Um, and we did wear masks and sanitize and all that good stuff. But how are you able to stay true to who you are as an individual and keep your peace of mind, while also having to understand that this is a huge thing that we're battling right now. So we're talking about COVID, police brutality. COVID, COVID, okay. COVID, COVID. Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about that. Okay, because no. I didn't know which one we... My so, fault, my fault. Yeah, which pandemic we're talking about, but <laughs> for sure. Um, really, I just try to stay educated, try to stay on top of things, and I'm not always... I'm not always on top of the latest information. I will right. admit that. But I, lucky for me, I do have amazing friends that have said, by me, you've met a lot of them when right. we did our um, chat about social injustice and everything. But um, they're amazing. They keep me up to date. So they'll let me know. Um, when the, I think we went from three feet to six feet, and they were the first people to tell me, like, hey, this is a thing. This right. is what you need to do. This is what you need to follow. Um, at first, they were saying, don't wear masks. Then they told us to wear masks. Right. They were the first ones that um, kind of kept me up to date on that. Just because I, I think I get... I get kind of overwhelmed in times like this. Like when there's so much going on, I can only take in so much information before I unplug. Right. And so my friends kind of helped to keep me plugged in. Um, so from there, I just kind of follow them. 
you know, follow my recommendations. I'm always in touch with my doctor. So it's pretty easy from there. Um, having a good healthcare team, it makes things a lot easier, especially when you're living with a chronic illness. Definitely. So, okay. So you touched on something. You talked about the social injustices and stuff like that. Um, but you have to be mindful of who you are and where your chronic illness stands in the midst of social injustices plus healthcare pandemic. So how were you able to stay engaged but still stay true to, hey, I have a life that I must protect. I have myself, my well-being to protect at the same time. I try to be mindful that I need to put myself first at all times, and that is I have to remind myself that when you're chronically ill, you have to be selfish. There's right. no other way to live or else you you won't live. Like, right. that's the battle. So, um, and I also remind myself because just to get here, I've had so many surgeries. I've tried so many treatments and everything. So I would never want to do one thing to cost me all of the progress that I've made health-wise. Right. So, um, honestly. I understand. I mean, you know, and I think. Being able to protect yourself first and foremost is key in life. Um, I think for me during this pandemic, it was a mental component for me to understand, hey, I'm working from home now. Yeah. I see the same four freaking white walls every freaking day. I wake up, cook breakfast, work, cook dinner, go to bed, watch the same Chicago PD and wilding <laughs> out. And it's like, I know every episode right now. Um, and so it's like, hey, my mental, like, I don't want to put myself in jeopardy and catch COVID because I have family that I need to take care of. I have fiance, I have a sister, a mom, a dad, a brother, I mean, your brother, grandma, nana, and my fiance's family also. So it's like, hey, how do you still want to be engaged and still be involved? And so that's why we have this, Revive One. <laughs> I'm sharing my thoughts with everybody and educating other people on the education that I received and the stuff that I'm doing to be engaged, but I'm also protecting myself and my family first and foremost, because at the end of the day, without them, I'm I'm somebody, but I'm a lonely, lost somebody also, yeah. if that makes sense. So, I mean, I think that's key. So, moving on here, you know, talk to us. You created a great, and everybody, I want y'all to understand this. Sean is a social media genius Please don't, that no. hates social media, <laughs> if that makes sense here. Like, she is, like, by far, YouTube, websites, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm, sit I'm struggling maintaining my own in my AAU team's page, and she over here running it like it ain't nothing. He's but this is man. not her calling. It might actually be her calling. You might be walking in your ministry. You never know. That's true. But talk to us. You started something a few years ago and recently changed the name. So give us a little background on that. Yes. What is two-fourths? Hold on. Two-fourths. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm corny, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I started – so technically I started advocating online in 2015. I – um, posted a video about my condition because I was getting ready to have surgery and um, that video was long gone. It was the worst video. I didn't even know what I was talking about, but I mean, right. it, it started what is today. So a girl reached out from, to me from there 
And she was just like, hey, you know, I'd love to interview you for my blog. We're still friends today. Um, and she had like a beautiful blog. She also does like illustrations and everything. Just an amazing person in general. So I interviewed for her blog and it kind of just took off from there. Right. So um, from there, she kind of let me know about an opportunity with a pharmaceutical company. They were looking for a patient perspective and uh, just to elevate the patient voice. So that was my first kind of partnership and my first step into professionally advocating Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it just kind of, it just kind of, like you said, um, in your first episode, like networking, right. um, that, w- that really took it off. But earlier this year, I just decided I just want to start over fresh. I felt like I, we, like we talked about, I wasn't being true to myself. Um, I felt like I didn't really have direction. I didn't know where I was going. So I started what was Crohn's and stuff, um, in like March or something. And I just changed the name recently, but now it's two fourth. And basically... Um, it represents growth. It represents, um, you know, balance, a balance in life overall, but also a balance between health advocacy and activism. activism. Right. And um, also, it is to honor my great-grandmother, whose birthday was February 4th. So, June 4th. Okay. So, I remember when I first met you, uh, you, my boss, she came to one of our events, and my boss t- told her, she came to two events. You're right. You came to two events. <laughs> And my boss told her, hey, connect with Jalen, and he will help you. He handles healthcare, and so on and so on. And you were very reluctant because, I mean, yes, because of what I do, a lot of people will come and talk to me and stuff like that. But what you don't understand is it was from our conversation that me and you had that brought more awareness to me about chronic illness. Um, and so that sparked me to get interns involved and say, hey, I need to know what's going on in the legislation around chronic illness I need to know what can be done. Is there any health care provisions that we can add or amendments and stuff like this? And so from the conversation that you and I simply had and when we met, it was like, okay, cool. I, I know what I can really tackle right now in health care. Um, so that's what was really cool to me. So I want to first say thank you for stepping outside of your box um, and saying, hey, I need to talk to you about chronic illness. I need to know. I need you to know what is really taking place right now and how can we change that? Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys for listening. I was definitely, like you said, I was super intimidated. I wanted to talk to you at the first event, Mm -hmm. um, but I think we discussed, like, it was just everywhere at that first event. It was. So the second time, it was a little bit more chill. It was a lot less people, so we did get to connect. And, um, yeah, I was definitely, if she wouldn't have, like, really pressured me, like, she was (laughs) seriously like, go to Jalen. He's the best. Go give him your business card and all that. If she wouldn't have done that, I I probably would have never talked to you. And I think, you know, that that was key that we talked about relationships in my first episode, building that relationship with you um, and understanding, you know, what chronic illness is and healthcare, what are some of the stuff that are plaguing in the healthcare community, especially because you are a millennial also. Yes. Um, so this is something that is huge that plagues our community. And as, a millenn- as millennials, we don't really know, you know, we think, you know, everything is all sweet and good, but we don't really know. Healthcare is huge in our community. Right. We don't know that, you know, insurance may not cover some of the stuff that we think should be covered. And that's another thing as a millennial, we can talk about that. We got to break that stigma of we don't need to go to the doctor just for a checkup and stuff um, because that's not being true to who we are because as an individual, we don't have the we don't have every remedy that will help us heal us and that will make us better as a person. Right. So I think uh you know 
do you mind just sharing a little bit about your story of like how you had to fight with the big pharma um, and had to fight and advocate, you know, just so that you can have health care to help who be who you are right now and stay true to who you are? Right. Um, so I was actually diagnosed in 2009, but that was years after I started experiencing um, symptoms. So my mother, I've ex- kind of glazed over this a lot, but my mother actually has schizophrenia. So it's hard to be taken seriously as a black person. It's hard to be taken seriously as a black woman, but a black woman with a mental illness, it is hard. Mm -hmm. So she would bring me to the hospital. She would bring me to emergency room. She would tell them something's wrong. And it was just like, just complete disregard. And I got different stories every single time. Um, And we were just sent home for years. So that was kind of how it all started. And then Once I was diagnosed, it was basically when I was at death's door, pretty much, Um, and I was hospitalized for about a month. I missed a month of school being diagnosed, and then 2009, it came to the ulcerative colitis diagnosis, Um, spent years not not having adequate health care. At one point, I didn't have health care at all, so by the time I finally did get insurance and, um, you know, like you said, not everything's covered, so I had good coverage and everything, then it wasn't long before I required surgery. So I didn't even have an option. It was basically required. Um, But yeah, I mean, thank. uh, it's unfortunate. It's definitely unfortunate. And that's why I speak up because I don't want anyone to have to fight in the way that my mom had to fight or in the way that I had to fight, especially not at 17 years old. So that is why I speak up. But I am grateful. I thank God for every single thing that I went through because it does it did bring me here today. God forbid I skipped a step and, you know, had a had a worse outcome. Definitely. And I think mean, glad that you are here today because you're doing a lot of phenomenal work in advocacy. I mean, you're doing a lot of shaping lives with other people. And not a lot of people understand this, but me and you did a live a few weeks ago that was really dope. Um, we talked about being black in America and what that meant. Um, but what I want to talk to you now about is in the work workforce and in your real world, your day job here, how are you able to stay true to yourself? Um, and I know for me, that's simply just, you know, taking some a few deep breaths or digging in my snack drawer on my desk and grabbing <laughs> some sour gummy worms um, and remind myself, hey, don't let this overwhelm you. Don't let it consume you mentally. Because being millennials, we as millennials – we sit here and think that we have to keep the burden on our shoulder, that we got to take on everything, and we, we're we scared to say no sometimes. Like, I'm telling you, when I first got into the world, if I, and I tell my boys this today, if I, if I had the knowledge that I have right now in the workforce um, and in my career before I took my job, I promise you I probably would have negotiated another salary or oh, yeah, for sure. some different stuff, benefits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But how are you able to stay true to yourself in the workforce? Well, I had a very unique experience in the workforce. I feel like it's kind of unique, but it's kind of not. Basically, um, I went to college and then I dropped out. And then I went to college and I dropped out. But mm-hmm. I say that to say I had to work from literally the very bottom up. Mm-hmm. So um, having that experience and literally starting at $2 an hour, moving to 7 and then working from right. there, right. Um, honestly, my start keeps me humble because I remember every single day, like, girl, you could still be at Wendy's. Like, It's crazy. I started off at McDonald's. Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but it's 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 hard because um, and then I did I did like this medical program, but even to do that, I still had to like I said, my mother had schizophrenia, so right. I there was no there was no backup plan, there was no you know trust fund, there was no savings account, there was nothing to hold me afloat after eighteen. So I was going to school during the day until 5 or until 4.30. And then at 5, I was working at Wendy's until 2 a.m. And I would wake up and do the whole thing over again. So just reminding myself of where I came from, that, like, that calms me. Because I know that as hard as I'm working right now, there have been worse days where I was, I felt like I was taking on every single thing. Um, and... Yeah, it just keeps me grateful. It does help me to slow down because I'm just like, girl, you are, you are doing good for, right. you know, what you were given or however people want to take that. Nah, and I think, you know, for me, like I said, sour gummy worms, <laughs> my best friend. I used to eat sour gummy worms before football games in the Cinnabon. Um, so I think for me, taking a few steps back and reminding myself, hey, there's only so many hours in a day. You don't have to do everything. It's okay to say, hey, can I give this to you at the deadline? Yeah. And not feel like you got to be rushed to do it prior to the deadline. If you get it done prior to the deadline, kudos. Cookie, pat on the back for you, have at it. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think that is so huge in our world is this isn't the end of it for us. We still got to come back tomorrow. We still got to come back the day after that. Unless it's Friday, of course, then, you know, it's bottles up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to decompress. But I think for me, staying true to myself, especially during this social injustice, was I wanted to be on the front line so bad. I wanted to be out there yelling, and I wanted to be out there, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace. Then I had to really sit back and say, wait a second. This isn't the same you, Jalen, from undergrad. Yeah. You've really changed who you are. You really have elevated yourself to be someone that is already on the inside of where you can make change. And I had a conversation with a friend who they were trying to tell me voting doesn't matter. And I'm sitting here like, you know, the meme like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are you? Like, my face is like, like, this is blasphemy. Blasphemy. Like, Voting doesn't matter. Voting matters. Yeah. This is our community that we're talking about. So I think for me, uh, being so strong-minded and such an advocate and wanting to see change, I'm on the inside already. Yeah. I'm knocking at the door, or I'm on the other side of the door listening to everybody knock and cry their outcry. But I'm like, hey, I need to stay true to myself. I can't let this burden me down. And there's so much that I would love to do. Like, if we could sit, I, I sat there on my couch one day and I was like, we just sent out $1,200 to everybody like this. Yeah. Like, why can we? Do why that? can't we have affordable health care for everybody? Yeah. Like, why can't we have a, affordable housing or livable wages for everybody? If we could mandate this, why can't we have the um, qualified immunity against police officers eliminated? Yeah. Stuff like that. And then I'm sitting here bur literally putting burdens on myself that I I know I need to put on me, but I also have to be strategic on when I need to put it on me. Right, professionally. Correct. Not like just... And I think for me, my work comes with me, comes with me home. After 6 p.m. when I cl 
Don't even, nobody even clocks in or anything anymore. <laughs> but when I say, all right, see y'all tomorrow or see y'all on Monday, I still have a work phone. I still have a laptop that comes with me. So how do I stay true to myself? Lately, it's been playing golf, um, finding something that has been able to relax me, uh, finding something that's able to, you know, take my mind off of what's going on, um, whether it may be wedding playing now or simply just driving. I think getting out my house now yeah, I drive is, a lot. is key. And I think, thank God, I mean, I, I really miss uh, Wonder System Park where we used to watch music videos. Yeah. So now whenever there's new music that drops, I'm going in my car and I might drive to Cold Stone to get a milkshake and I'm blasting <laughs> that music all the way down the highway or whatnot. Yeah. And so I think that is like my release. I have to release everything. And that's how I'm able to stay true to myself. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit more here on how does Two Force engage the community? Like what are some of the things, in, you don't have to talk about some of the upcoming projects or nothing, um, but you can talk about previous projects. On what are you guys doing to engage others and how do you challenge your following to stay true to themselves also? Yeah. Um, well, in response to kind of what we were talking about before, too, me and Devery, well, you were, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. chat, um, we were actually talking about the roles in revolution. And like like you said, you're on the inside and then others are protesting. Others are, um, like, I feel like Two Fourth uses an art form almost because, and I, I do feel like that is genuinely my my way that I stay true to myself right. and, and also my release because I'm able to express myself creatively but still right. be educational and still be true and share the my experiences as a black woman, my experiences as um, someone living with a chronic illness. So, um, so how are you engaging? I oh, know, sorry. <laughs> she said, what is the question? <laughs> I think they heard me. Oh, they heard you, all right. <laughs> I'm not cutting this out. Okay, I'm real. Anyways, great. <laughs> great. So, with that being said, Miss Real, how is Two Force engaging the community? Um, and how are you guys using that platform, or how are you using that platform to have your followers be true to who they are? How do you tell them to let their voice be heard and stuff? So we're engaging the community by starting these uncomfortable conversations. Okay. And the goal, the goal honestly, is to make people uncomfortable. Right. And it does. And to be real, um, being 100% honest, even though the analytics don't, they're not this specific on Instagram because they don't collect this data. Right. Just from what I see, the, the two-fourth audience is largely Caucasian. Right. So... Um, the 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 educate or what we're giving to the community is firsthand insight on what it is like to be black, but then also education and just breaking down these these stigmatized topics, but in a bite-sized, digestible way. So like I try to pack everything with information, with emotion, um, with whatever facts. Like one day I did the the one on, um, you know, drugs in comparison, mm -hmm. black versus white, not black versus white, um, but, right. you know, the yeah. drug usage versus the incarceration rate. Wow. Right. Make sure I get the information if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for Appreciate sure. It. But, um, and people were shocked, you know? Yeah. And then I talked about being a black woman and um, how I'm like two to three times more likely to die in or, at, in or after childbirth mm -hmm. from complications. And no, these people did not know that. And you know what's crazy? I see that a lot now with black maternal health. Yeah. Like, people are, like, blindsided, and it's just, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. 
we did not realize this. Right, but at, but as a black woman, it's like my responsibility to know. Right. But you don't have to know. Right. But I feel like you should. But that's a burden on you guys because I feel exactly. like, you know, yeah, we have our doctors. They make buku some money and stuff. But why aren't the doctors sitting here doing PSAs? Or why is it, you know, healthcare professionals or insurance companies right. doing a PSA or taking on the campaign to say, hey, black maternal health matters? Yes. I mean, so we've... I don't want to get like too deep, but uh, I mean, trust me, we got, we can go into it if you want to. Like, well, working with pharma, I will say, me and a friend, okay, who will be not named, <laughs> okay, we have expressed this before. Like, we've said that there there's no representation. You're not reaching out to our community. We've said it to multiple pharmaceutical right. companies. What they do with that information, I don't know because right. I don't really see a genuine effort being put forth. Not now, not all. I will say, I'll take that back. One mm-hmm. of the maybe three that I've worked directly with is trying. Okay, but um, you think but that yeah. might increase now with the movement that's going on? I I think that it will, but unfortunately, it's it's kind of like where, like. I don't want to say where's your heart, right? But right. Like, but I mean, what are your intentions, basically? Like, are you doing this because it's trendy, is or it optic, or is it substance? Right. And I think that's been like the whole my whole mindset with like Netflix donating money to yeah. HBCUs and highlighting the black movies. Black movies, yeah. I, I love it. Like, don't get me wrong; those are some of my favorite right. movies. Like, you love it, but, but it's, what is that money going to? Is that money going towards infrastructures on our HBCU campuses? Is it going to the small HBCUs, or is it just going back to you know Howard A&T, um, Spelman, Morehouse, the the, yeah. the powerhouses yeah. of HBCUs? So I think really, Anna, you know, I'm glad to see that you guys are holding them accountable. Accountability is going to be huge in reshaping our community. Right, but it and was even before all of this, which is correct. sad because it's like, well, we said this about two years ago, so. So d- let me ask you this question. Do you think there's any systemic racism that falls in place with them not wanting to move the needle on this? Yes. Um, I think that it's that, and I think that it's also, like, people are so, I feel like companies are so worried about what their audience will think, but it's like, do you really want to keep your racist right. customers? Right. Like, I don't know why that is your priority it's right the dollar. now. The dollar exactly. is so, money is green, envy, and they want to stay rich, but it's like, why stay rich? You still don't make money regardless. And I get that, but at the same time, we saw it with the, which I, I will not rant about this, <laughs> but with the natural hair, I want to say, I want to use the word movement, but basically natural hair care started to become a thing. You know, back in the day when we were growing up, we got teased for the woman, the black girls got teased for kinky curly hair and stuff, but then it started to be embraced. So some of the companies who never made diverse products before started, hey, we're all for this, posting their... I won't, I I digress. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that goes to staying true. Yeah. It's hard for us in a workplace uh, to stay true to who we are if we have to reshape our image yeah. for that company. That company, that ultimately, that means that company does not care about you. True. And that's sad. We're the ones making you money, but you don't care about us enough to say, hey, be who you are. Shine that light on us. Whether that may be you're, you're uh, LGBTQ, whether that may be that you're a minority in the business, 
help them feel comfortable in that space. Right, and that's the thing with the natural hair care. They saw that black women were buying these products. Mm -hmm. Hey, black people spend money. We do. So now let's make our products diverse because we see that. But that's what I'm saying about the companies who are now on this on on the movement. Mm -hmm. We spend money. Right. So it's I, I digress. <laughs> I digress because I can talk about this for the next five hours. So look, let me go into my government segment right quick. Oh, All right. So um, we don't talk about HR six three. The Pandemic Healthcare Access Act. Uh, this bill preserves the eligibility of health savings account HSA participants covered by any health plan during the coronavirus period. The coronavirus emergency period is a period beginning on March 13, 2020, and ending on the later, later of the last day. I'm sorry, it says later of one, the last day. Um, of which the Presidential Declaration of Emergency under the Robert T. Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act with respect to the coronavirus, the virus that causes COVID-19 is in effect. Or the last, oh, it said once, okay, I had a slow moment for a second. Okay. Or the last day on which a Presidential Declaration of National Emergency under the National Emergencies Act with respect to the coronavirus is in effect. So, essentially what that is, is there's a health care, there's health savings account that is attached to, you know, checks and stuff like that, HSA, um, premiums and stuff that people are paying. So, it really it says that it is covered by any health plan of the coronavirus. So, ultimately, it preserves that eligibility. So, when you enroll in health care, you're able to still have that HSA that, if I do recall correctly, you're able to access that at a later date. Um, okay, so it pushes back your deadline for when you can spend the money. Is correct, that correct? Correct. Oh, okay, okay. So what I want to ask you now is, you know, we talked about, you know, the health care um, and stuff like that, but I feel personally that the government could do more with when it comes to pandemic health care. The marketplace, it opens up once a year, mm -hmm. um, and that's in December that it opens up and you can apply for health care coverage through anything, anybody or whatnot, you get a quote or whatnot. But I feel like during this time right now, they should have reopened it due to emergency situation. But, and I did some research coming to find out, you actually can apply right now um, if you feel like you are in a situation that is deemed as an emergency to your life, mm -hmm. you can apply. But not a lot of people know that. Right. So I feel like, again, you know, we are mis led by our government and our elected officials here because, and I'll take that back, the the House of Representatives and Democrats, of course, they will say that, but the Republicans feel like, you know, we should reopen right now anyways. I don't necessarily think that we need to reopen our um, states right now, but I think we need to bring some resources in that can help our states by saying, hey, if you are furloughed right now, of course you might not have all the benefits that you had when you worked. Right. So why not say, hey, here's a resource for you. You guys, you know, of course you get the unemployment insurance, but that expires at the end of July. Mm -hmm. So the extra $600, that expires to help people. So that the health care insurance that is covered by that, that means that will expire also. Why not say, hey, if you haven't been able to get health care instead of waiting until December because you were furloughed, we're going to open it up right now for this month only, mm -hmm. or these two weeks right now, apply. So, I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel like there should have been more access to healthcare right now during this time or 
I mean, I I do. I feel like um, like with any kind of insurance, even selling Medicare back in the day, if you had a special election period, which is like a special circumstance that qualified you, then you would be able to apply and get enrolled and everything. So I feel like that should be the same thing. I feel like this should be an automatic special election. If you if you're allowing people, if you have all of these like special circumstances for unemployment, why not just you know that there's a problem, so why not just address it directly and say, hey, on top of financially helping you, let me protect your health as well, your livelihood as well, so that once the states do open back up, we can make sure that you you are healthy enough to go into your current job or your right. next job. So I, no, I definitely think you're right. I think, you know, reopening the health care, uh, affordable health care for people, or excuse me, the marketplace really is what it's called, because affordable health care is a totally different topic. Um, but the uh, marketplace to allow people to seek insurance would have been monumental right now yeah. because we don't know when states will fully reopen. We don't know what the recovery process will be like. We do know that we don't have a recession when this is all said and done because people have been out of work three, four months now, depending on what your state closure um, guidelines have been. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to say thank you for being on the show today. No problem. Um, and I'll let you have your last word. Is there any advice that you want to tell people on how to stay true to who they are? And then I'll give my last word. Mm-hmm. Can you give your word first? I would, but, you know, I got I got, I got a special closing. Yeah, okay. I got a special closing. Um, being true to yourself, let me think. Can you give me some motivation? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, what, what do you tell people when they seek advice for you when they are going through chronic illness. How are they staying true to it? Tell them to stay true. Or what did you tell yourself when you were going through, the, through that to really, you know, remind yourself, hey, I got this. I'm a boss. Um, just, I guess, just focus on what you love. Um, yeah, just invest your time, your energy into things that you love and what you're passionate about. And, yeah, life is too short to do anything else. Mike. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, we know what time it is. It is last word. So, with that being said, let's get to it. been on that NDI revive. But like I said, thank you guys for tuning in today on episode three of Revive One. It has been a blast to have Sean on the show with me, but I want to encourage everybody, stay true to who you are. Remind yourself that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Be able to say, hey, I need to take a second to step back, revamp, and t- take a deep breath, then re-engage. So until next time, stay engaged, stay true, Stay revived. I love you guys. Make sure you follow and like the page. Stay tuned for our next episode. And follow Sean. Sean, go ahead and tell them your, your social media. Yeah, it's at 24 underscore. You know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. I'm just kidding, not MySpace. Wow. <laughs> she said MySpace. But like I said, you guys, follow Revive1 at Revive.1 on Instagram. And until next time, stay true, stay engaged. And I said that all wrong. Stay engaged. Stay true, stay revived. One love.